Today on the Women Mind the Water Art of the Series on WomenMindTheWater.com, I'm speaking with Holly Rankin. Holly is an Australian musical artist who just released Endless Summer, her second album. The singer-songwriter, also known as Jack Ripper, is an emerging festival promoter. Her Grow Your Own Festival promotes sustainable culture, and her Electric Lady Festival creates space for female music artists. Holly is driven by a belief that music has the power to inspire audiences to take action. She is an activist in the areas of environmental and social justice. The Women Mind the Water Art of a Series podcast on womenmindthewater.com engages artists in conversation about their work and explores their connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. I'm speaking with Holly Rankin, a musical artist from Australia. Holly, also known as Jack River, is a multi-dimensional musical artist who just released her second album. In her capacity as a concert promoter, Holly creates space for other female artists. Her own music often deals with difficult topics like personal tragedy, climate change, and social justice. Holly believes transforming such messages into music has the power to inspire action. Welcome, Holly. I am not sure if you and I could be much farther apart while you're in Australia and I'm in Maine. There are 12 hours difference between us. You are talking to me on a Tuesday morning while it's Monday evening here on the East Coast of the U.S. So thank you for inquiring about participating in this podcast. I'm really happy you did. I imagine our listeners will be eager to learn about Australia and hear about your journey as a musical artist concert promoter, and environmental accent, activist. Yeah, I'm not an accident, an activist. Let me begin by asking you to tell us a little bit about the Australia you know. What is the area like where you grew up? Hi, I'm so excited to be here. And I grew up in a little place called Foster. It's on the east coast, about half, halfway up about east coastline. It's on Warramai country, um, which is the local Indigenous country. And it is beautiful, crystal clear waves and water lapping up against a pristine landscape. So I was very lucky to grow up in quite a small town, um, lots of ocean, lots of adventures, uh, horse riding and sport. And like, I don't know, it was a beautiful childhood growing up very close to nature with a family that were very active so that was my childhood and it definitely shaped who I am today and my love for the ocean and nature and community. So is there a particular sort of music that you associate with your growing up? So my dad was or he is an insanely um, dedicated Bruce Springsteen fan like the most dedicated Bruce Springsteen fan you'll ever meet so much so that I think he might think he is Bruce Springsteen that's very concerning <laughs> um and my mum loved ABBA but I think uh, the Bruce Springsteen ringing through the house definitely perked my little you know ears and soul up to the idea of um storytelling and also like 
you know, protest and community storytelling through music. I think that's what Bruce does so eloquently. Um, and so that was kind of ringing around the house. And then I, I do remember, like, finding this CD that was um, hits from the 60s and 70s, and it had, like, Elton John um, and who else? Like, Elton John, a bit of Bob Dylan and, and the Beach Boys. And I I feel like there was something about that CD that perked, perked up in me as well. It was, like, these perfectly crafted pop songs and it felt almost like humans couldn't make that music like it was you know like plastic or something you know as a kid you don't realize that people actually make the music if you get me like that concept Mm of um it seems so fake and so perfect that how could we ever make make that other world so it really intrigued me once I began to realize that like people make this music and it's um yeah, it's very meticulously crafted to feel like an, a, another world. So at what point did you decide that you'd like to be part of that special musical world? Age 13, 14, I began to realise how powerful the connection is between artists and listeners. And I I also at that time went through a pretty uh, huge tragedy in my family. Um, I lost my sister in a freak accident. And that experience drove me into writing and and writing music more than I ever had before. And music became like a parent to me. And I think like I couldn't see anything else for for those late teenage years. I just wanted to be immersed in music and um, creating. And I think like my, my body and my spirit just needed to create, create, create. Uh, exhaust, exhaust, exhaust the trauma that was happening in my life. And I naturally just formed this idea of I want to do this. I'm loving this. This feels great. And I want to do this for other people and be there for them like artists have been there for me. That's a wonderful sentiment. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, What I'm curious about is why you adopted the pseudonym Jack River. Quite a random story. I don't think I knew that I would, this would be my career for real. But I, when I was 17, my two best friends and I made up pirate names. It was Jack River, <laughs> Jack River, Simon Woodpecker and John Scarlet. And we would go out on the town and use these names as if they're our own. And we felt like invincible and, you know, running around saying that they were our names. Uh, ha ha. And... <laughs> At the time, I was like, I, you know, I love this idea of an invincible character in another world, able to do anything she wants to. Also, with a with a kind of male name, um, and yeah, I just thought that was like a a really fun vehicle to create for myself in music. And since then, it's it's felt like a different, another person or another, another persona I can step into and do whatever I want. Well, Jack River is very special because Jack has its own uh, wiki page. um, And on that page, it recounts that his first uh, album titled Sugar Mountain deals with painful memories associated with your family tragedy you were just telling us about. 
Why have you chosen in your songs to deal with difficult to uh, topics like loss and global warming and injustice? What motivates you to take these on as your song subjects? I guess you don't choose. Like when you're creating, you don't really choose what you are going to create. Like it comes through you and it's born within you. And for me, that was mine and my family's journey and experience of loss. And that's what I needed to to process through my music. And then for me as a person, um, before I lost my sister, since I was very little, I've been really passionate about engaging in politics and, um, you know, what that can do for the planet if we do engage and, and lean in. And so, yeah, I'm always trying to see if I can weave, weave my everyday thinking and my everyday experience of the world into music. And right now, as everyone knows, we're living through like an extremely... Um, you know, tumultuous time where we more than ever in the in the history of humanity need to lean in and do everything we can in every way we can to to avert further climate crisis. So that's just me trying to, um, you know, as as well as writing emotional songs that are true to me, I try to make in a bit of world politics. Why not? So Women Mind the Water is a platform for sharing stories through the lens of women about ways we engage with and share responsibility for the ocean. You are active in many arenas. One of these was back in March when you joined with Surfers for Climate. Tell us a little bit about that organization and what you did with them. Sure, so I was on the board for, of Surfers for Climate for around a year. And they're a new um, political environmental organization um, that brings together surfers that care about climate, the climate crisis. And um, they're a part of a like a growing trend. I'm sure it's the same in the States right now of uh, smaller subgroups that are leaning into uh, climate action. And basically, Surface for Climate looks at ways that surfers can get active on climate in their own way and, you know, lobby or have conversations with politicians in their on their coastlines, um, you know, in local language and with local action. So so on your Instagram page, you posted that you were on a climate learning weekend. And during that weekend, you visited Sea Forest Australia, a company that grows seaweed. And you posted that they are one of the coolest startups in the world. What made you say that? Well, the sea forest was started by an ex-fashion designer who came across some research of a, a professor in seaweed, I'm not sure what that is called, we can look that up later, um, who found that this certain type of asparagopsis, uh, when fed to cows, reduces their methane output by, like I think it's 80% or some huge figure like that. So uh, he went ahead and started this company called Sea Forest and now they're doing commercial grade seaweed production to turn into uh, a liquid, a liquid form of this seaweed that makes cows fart less basically. <laughs> and I just think, you know, it's we're living in this time where we need impossible thinking and impossible action at this insane scale if we want to come anywhere near 
close to averting uh, you know humanitarian uh, ecological crisis that defines the rest of humanity and I love that crazy wild things like making cows fartless through seaweed are happening in our backyard in Australia and even crazy that it's happening you know to an, an someone who used to be a fashion designer so I think that asparagopsis is, is a great name maybe for a song title do your learning trips provide material for your songs yeah like absolutely it's all feeding into the brain somewhere and just gonna wait wait to let it come out but asparagopsis does sound like a really great name for like an album or, or a project or something it's very textural isn't it right so I believe you added something new to your resume. Am I correct that in addition to being a musician, a musical promoter, and activist, you recently became a mother? I did, yeah. I have a seven-month-old daughter now. Her name's Maggie Magnolia. It's her full name. It's Women. been um, amazing. <laughs> amazing journey. You are on a, an amazing journey in many ways. Uh, women tend to be multitaskers. We try to juggle what we need to do with what we want to do. How do you balance all the things that you do and now being a mother? I guess when I ask other mothers this question, they say you don't balance. <laughs> you just, you know, every day is a new day and there's a different balance in that day. Um, and I think you're, you're a mom, right, Pam? Are you? Yes, I yeah, am. Yeah, so... Yes, you would know. Um, I'm at the very beginning of this journey and I'm already, you know, absolutely fumbling through it. Um, as a confessed workaholic, I'm really kind of not struggling, but I'm challenged by the different demands each day. You don't know how you and your child are going to feel or what they're going to need and that like in, in a in a pool between work and your baby. Um, yeah, so I don't know how I'm balancing it, but I'm just giving it a crack and I'm leaning on my own mother in immeasurable ways at the moment. Well, that's lovely that you have her to lean on and that she's willing to be leaned on. And I can just tell you the journey always keeps you unbalanced and you have no idea what's coming down the pike. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Always changing. You know, I love actually swimming as therapy to deal with all this. It's just like letting myself be washed around by the waves and just letting my body fall into that. And I feel like that's the kind of approach I'm trying to bring to motherhood is just let go into the chaos and let it throw you around and you'll you'll be fine you'll when be you wash fine. up on the yeah. shore. <laughs> yeah. So what projects are you working on now that are related to climate change and environmental justice? Right now I'm working on two different projects. The first one is um, in our country here in Australia. This year we're going to a referendum, which means a, a point at which everyone in the country votes uh, to decide whether we want to implement a First Nations voice to parliament. So um, our First Peoples, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander people in Australia don't have any kind of mechanism to offer advice to our government. So I'm working on that. Um, it's a really big campaign here in Australia and it relates to the environment in the way that um, we're a country of a lot of mining, offshore mining and coal and gas mining and a lot of it's done on 
First Nations land, Aboriginal owned land. And right now there's no no big mechanism for people to First Nations people to speak out on on those issues, um, along with many other issues, but that's how it relates to the environment. So I'm working on that and hopefully by the end of the year we'll have a First Nations voice to parliament, which is very historic for our country. Um, and I'm also working uh, alongside the Australian Conservation Foundation on uh, our biodiversity laws. So our government's trying to um, pass different biodiversity laws, protecting big, big uh, portions of, of forest and also marine parks. And basically we just want more of it. And um, yeah, <laughs> so that's what I'm working on, those two things in the background and then just music in the foreground <laughs> and mothering. <laughs> wow. So before we close, I typically ask my guests to offer advice to listeners on how they can contribute to protecting our ocean. What advice do you have? Well, first piece of advice is everyone's different and everyone has a different way of engaging. Um, I would say engage locally with the people around you because that's not only impactful, but makes you feel really good and makes you want to do more. Um, so local beach cleanups or local environmental orgs, it's just the best feeling to be around people that care about this as well. And then for me, I just feel like if all of us could lean in a little more in on politics, I know your country, you know, there's a lot to lean into there. And don't be, don't be afraid get involved um it's so it's so rewarding when we lean in and uh engage with with politics local state federal um do it get amongst it holly i admire and appreciate your energy and your drive i'm grateful that you are using your musical platform to make space for other women and spreading the word about climate change and environmental and social justice. I'd like to remind listeners that I've been speaking with Holly Rankin, also known as Jack River. She is an Australian musical artist and social advocate. Holly transforms weighty messages into music with the belief that music has the power to inspire action. Holly Rankin is the latest guest, guest on the Women Line the Water Artemis Series podcast. The series can be viewed on womenlinethewater.com, Museum on Main Street, and YouTube. An audio-only version of this podcast is available on womenlinethewater.com, on iTunes, and Spotify. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the use of her song, Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson.